Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Growing Your Financial Business, the Woman's Way podcast. I'm Robin Crane, and I was a financial advisor for over a decade. But before that, I was a singer-songwriter. And now, even as a mom of three with a teenager, toddler, and a baby, I run a seven-figure business helping women in financial services grow their businesses and make a bigger impact. In this podcast, I'll bring you financial advisors, industry influencers, and highly successful entrepreneurs to give you innovative strategies designed for women. So get ready to learn how to get in front of the right people, get more ideal clients, and be able to grow your ideal business so you can live your ideal life. Welcome to Growing Your Financial Business, The Woman's Way. It's Robin Crane here with Faith and Hope Zimmerman of Zimmerman Architects. And you might be wondering, why are these two here to talk to financial advisors about growing their business? Well, we will tell you because we're here to talk about creating the best client experience. Now, um, these two tell you a little about them. They have a very successful practice. And what what is it called again? Deadville? Yes. Deadville. Yep, Denville, New Jersey. Denville, New Jersey. And we met, must have been six or seven years ago. Uh, and they've been in my world for the last, I think, six years and have been incredible uh, working with a bunch of financial advisors in our community. And they're always so amazing at extracting the value. They're so great about always being positive. And they're so uh, incredible at really implementing systems and processes and putting those in place so, to make their lives easier and also to create the best experience for their clients. So um, tell me, tell or tell them, tell the listeners a little bit about you two. They're twins. You can't all see them necessarily if you're listening to the podcast, but they're twinsies. They're adorable. They're fun. They finish each other's sentences and possibly <laughs> sandwiches as well. Um, tell them a little about yourselves and your business and, uh, and then we'll go from there. Okay, so we have we built our business from the ground up. Uh, we didn't inherit it from our dad or anything like that. <laughs> and we've been in practice for 30 years. And we do typically single family residential work, which means we work for the homeowner to help them um, have the best life they can. Cool. So from from tell me a little bit how you built your business, because I know when we met, it was kind of a crazy time where it, it almost was counterintuitive for you to start working with me because I think it was 24 years in business yeah. and you were great at architecture, great at helping clients. I mean, really good at what I would call the craft, like you're yes. at what you do, but what you weren't great at was the business. And you came to me when you, you had a lot of debt, um, you were struggling and then you invested more money. So tell them that story and where you were, because it seems really crazy that you would invest in your business at a time like that. And why did you even do that? So um, part of the reason I think that we were in such 
bad financial financial shape as business owners is that that is pretty much how the architecture industry is. Um, and especially for small, for small businesses, yes. as opposed like the bigger firms tend to be profitable. The mom and pop shops and tend to, you know, it's like the badge of honor. You're the poor starving artist kind of a thing. Yeah. And, and in the architecture business, you are required to intern with an architect. So that's where you're learning how uh, a practice is run, how the business is run. And you're learning basically from somebody who's terrible at who's it. Who's a poor starving artist. <laughs> and, and so you, you just by observing, you learn all of these terrible skills, in, including part of the process for the homeowner. Right. Um, and, and so as new architects start out their firm, they just keep implementing the same thing that these other old guys did for ever how many years and just and never really sit back and evaluate what's going good, what's not going good. It's just how it is. And and so you get your spouse to support you. Yeah. A lot, a lot, a lot of architects, um, male or female couldn't do it if they didn't have a spouse that had a good job or they have a teaching job in architecture. Yes. Let let me pause on that because I know the listeners are financial advisors, insurance professionals growing their business. And I think there are a lot of similarities for sure. The difference is I think the, we don't look at financial advisors and expect them to be starving artists. You know, I was a singer songwriter before, as you know, and being a starving musician or a struggling musician, like it's totally cool. You don't make money become a financial advisor, not so cool anymore. So it's like the, there's a different view and perspective. And I, and I think um, so many women who are in the industry feel like a fraud because everyone expects that they should just go into business and have money. Like, you know, if you, if you go into being, becoming a financial advisor with a lot of money, it's not because you were a financial advisor, obviously when you're just starting. So how are you supposed to be a financial advisor wealthy when you're just starting the business, unless you had a prior, uh, a spouse that's paying for the bills, let's say who, who's made a lot of money, or you've had a prior job that, that, and you did a good job saving, but so many of these women feel like a fraud or feel like they're, they have the imposter syndrome because it's assumed that they would be successful and wealthy when it doesn't really make sense. It makes more sense. It would be like architects starting out and that they're starving artists because there's definitely yeah. an artistry and financial advising as well. And, and also in, in this country, um, so much of whether you're successful is judged by how much money you have, as opposed to how good you are, how good you, you are, what you do, how good, how well you do your craft. It's like, okay, if you're not making your mortgage payments, you must not be very good at what you do as opposed to looking at all of these awesome projects that we've done that have like totally changed people's lives. Um, And even for us, it like we we, had, we had imposter syndrome because after 24 years in business, our clients had all these awesome houses that we were helping them to make. And they'd be like, well, you know, and it's like, well, you know, they're like, oh, can you imagine my kids have to play in this, you know, 10,000 square foot playroom? Can you imagine playing in something so small? It's like my kids got a bedroom that's seven by seven and that's their playroom, too. <laughs> and three of them share it. You know? 
right? Oh my gosh. No, so it, 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 it's, it's kind of the imposter syndrome in a different way, but where it's like, don't come look at my house, look at my clients' houses. Yeah, that makes yes. sense because you're good at the craft and that's very similar with financial advisors. They're great yeah. at what they do. They're great at providing value to their clients, but growing a business is a totally different animal. And, and then what you said, I think is so similar about, you, you, you said, Hope, you said, implement the same things. Like we were taught to implement these terrible business, like learn these terrible business skills from these architects as we were interning oh, and, and that's- we're implementing the same thing the older guys did because that's just how it is. Like that is exactly the same with the financial industry. Oh, and absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Older guys, you know, the yes. old boys club and showing you how to do it. And the old strategies, like just go networking and just you know, talk to everybody, you know, and, and pound the pavement. It's like, it doesn't necessarily work that way that well for women. And it doesn't definitely doesn't work that well today um, because of, you know, post COVID, if, if we can even say post at this stage, but in the middle or in the midst of all this craziness with shifting the way we do business. Okay. And so even I, just technology and all of that, you know, it's not necessarily even COVID, but just the world has changed, you know, it's, it's different. Yeah. And it's the same. I always talk about the archaic strategies being taught in the financial industry. Right. And it's very similar in many businesses, including architecture. Okay, great. That's super awesome. I, I love this background information. Keep going. I had to cut you off because I thought that was so similar. But so then there you were, you intern, then you start a business and then 24 years in, you feel like imposters, you feel like you're, you know, kind of similar. You're feeling like a fraud. You're not, you're not killing it in business. So that means you're not killing it financially. So where were you at that point when, when we met? Do you remember? Uh, we were at the point of we're, we're just getting into debt. Like we owed our landlord rent, like, I don't know, four or five months. Right. It's like, okay, we holding do, paychecks. Do we, we were, keep going and work at, as Walmart greeters to, to make ends meet? Or right. Do like, we go work for somebody else? Do we do something and this different? Is after, and this is after 24 years of having our own business and and really liking what we were doing and like working than, with each other and not wanting, not wanting to go work for somebody else. But it's like, OK, if we're going into debt by being in business for ourselves, it's like something has to change. And and like we were still we were putting in a lot of hours. So it's not like we had time to get a second job that would pay for us to be architects, you know, although we did research some of that, you know, what, you know, it's like, and Hope was even looking at, look at how much the beggars on the street in New York City make, literally, they make a ton of money. I'm going to take it. They can make, like, I've read some articles, like they can make 50 grand be in a year being a beggar. Oh my gosh. If they know how to do it right. And it's like, okay, I could go be a beggar. Uh, I'll just like if I, had, if I had a little bit of time, put my head down. If I see anyone, <laughs> take the train to New York, beg for a yeah. little bit. You just it's just a part time beggar. You could be a part time right. beggar just to pay the rent. Yeah. Right, that was wow, that's crazy. yeah, that's crazy. So, um, and and you said work for someone else. That's I remember thinking when I was in the first couple of years as a financial advisor, I was thinking like, wow, what if I just went to work for a bank and they paid me like a salary of 80, like I could probably get $80,000 a year at a bank, you know, and I was, I was struggling. I, I mean, I wasn't really, I didn't have much profit at one point I was making $2,000 a month, but that was not like in pocket, even living in uh, the Bay area, Silicon Valley, which did not pay the rent. So I was going further in debt. And I was thinking that like, what if I just go, go get a job and work at a bank? bank, like now that I've been an advisor for a year or two, like that, that seems like plush, you know? So why didn't you do that? What, what kept you from that? 
each other. Yeah, <laughs> they're part, smiling and hugging here. Yeah, each other. Part, yeah. I, I think that probably is a big part of it. It is um, we most likely would not have been able to work together anymore. Uh, part of it was we had really built our lives and our schedules and our kids and everything around having our own business. Um, and share, share daycare and all of that kind of and, stuff. And we would not have had that kind of flexibility, especially back then. Like now, there it's it was much- before there was such a thing as flex time. 30 yeah. years ago, there wasn't flex time, you know. And, <laughs> and even six years ago, it wasn't nearly as acceptable as it is now. It's like when our kids were little, um, you know, we didn't tell any of our clients that, okay, I'm not working today because I'm home watching five kids. We, you know, because that's like, then we wouldn't have been taken seriously. It's like, oh, you're really mothers, but you're playing in architecture. It's like, no, we're working our asses off. Oops. Can I say that? Yeah. It's <laughs> um, our podcast. At this. Woo. That, and, um, you know, it's, we're doing this a lot of it so that we can do it the way we want to do it. And then the other thing too was, and I think was just as big a part of it is we really liked being able to do the projects that we wanted to do and to design them the way we wanted them to be and not be figuring out somebody else's design and doing somebody else's construction drawings. Because we had already worked at other architects offices and, you know, and sometimes, you know, okay, here's this addition um, figure out how to make it work. Mm-hmm. And it's like, uh, it's like, oh, my designs are better than right. what his were. Let me right. do my was, own. It was like, well, it's not even a good design and it didn't take into account so many things. And you obviously didn't ask the client questions and you're just doing what you think they should do. And it's like, which gets into like the client experience, which I want to get more into. Right. But um, I want to go back to one one part. So one thing you said as far as why you stayed, because I think for me, I definitely considered obviously, you know, leaving and going to finding a job or leaving the industry. And I think that's something every business owner considers, like, should I get a job? And it's it's our worst yeah. nightmare. But at the same time, it's like, well, maybe that will solve all my problems. But then you yeah. take away all those things you're talking about. You take away flexibility. You take away time with the kids. You take away your creative license. You take away- pride of what you created. Yes. Pride of what you created and maybe giving the clients the best experience, because I think that happens sometimes with banks and these places that are, you know, more product driven. It's like, I want to make sure the client has the best results and give them the best experience. And I I don't want to push products or push things onto them. So, so one reason you stayed was because you had each other and that support and you wanted those things. Um, and then I know what, what made you invest? Because you were at a point, you said you, you weren't paying, you know, you weren't, you were holding paychecks because you didn't have enough in the bank to pay yourself. You were going in debt. You weren't paying your rent. How the heck did you decide to work with me? And it doesn't matter that it's me, but just to decide to invest in your business at that stage, what was, what were you thinking to say, I'm going to invest more to try to get this result? Well, we were we were literally to the point where um, we have to do something. We cannot continue the way right. we Status are right quo now. Would not work. It's like we. It, it's just not an option. We have to do something, and you happen to come along at the right time. Thank you. <laughs> um, and it's like and said the right things. It's like all right. Well, we let's just give it a try. It's like we're already this far in debt. What's another few grand? Um, you know, I was thinking about this because uh, I have, 
you know, some women in my fast path, the clients program. And, you know, you guys, obviously, you know, that um, we have our high end program called Femme and, and uh, I was watching this amazing negotiator. His name is Chris Voss. You guys have heard me talk about him, but mm-hmm. those of you who don't know Chris Voss, you should check him out. It's incredible. But one of the things he said when he was talking about negotiation is he said something about like, would you rather have whatever the number was, let's say $5,000 now, or he actually was talking about buying a business. So he said something like, would you rather have, it was a bigger number, but let's just say, you know, $100,000 now or a million dollars in two years. You know, it's like, oh, if you put it that way, I'd rather have a million dollars in two years because what he was talking about is that, you know, some of these companies that they're doing well, but they could like say sell their business for, you know, a couple hundred, like say a hundred thousand or 200,000 or something, I'm making up numbers, or you could grow it in two years and sell it for a million. And I think that's the, it's not necessarily always the selling part, but very similar for you. It's like, I don't know what my fee was at the time, but you had to invest a few thousand dollars or $5,000 or whatever. And then to say, Hey, I want to, one of the things I know you really wanted was to make a hundred grand. It was like your pipe dream to, to both take home each a hundred thousand dollars, like in, in some salary or paying yourselves a hundred thousand dollars. And you had to sacrifice all these things. You didn't have the money you were and you had to say, okay, I'm going to, I'd rather give up X amount, $5,000, let's say now to then, you know, obviously you've invested a lot more since, but to then have a business that gives me a hundred thousand dollars a year. And I know you've had, you know, ups and downs throughout, but I know you had that experience. So that that's a huge leap of faith to say like, I'm Absolutely. willing to risk something now. Is there anything specific you can remember? I mean, kind of said do or die, like this was it, but is there anything else like that that made you decide to take that risk and well we we also when we worked with you at the beginning we also did like there was a little um a small piece that we did that was sort of a you know dip Dip your your toe kind of a thing yeah and and like just we immediately took action on things that you suggested and like that week brought in an extra two grand like and and so it you know and so it's like all right overall that's not that much but back then it was like oh my gosh and it was like and it was in a way that wow we can do this over and over with every single new client right um that's awesome and that and that's also because you're so coachable and you take action immediately um let let me let me direct you into this so we make sure to get to the because there's so many things we can talk about for hours um into the client experience so a lot of what you learned was a system and a process to get clients from you know when they first are a prospect and then through the whole we call it stages of sale but basically going from step to step to step to then become a client so tell them how having that system has not only helped you make more money, but also helped, like, how is that giving the client a better experience? Go ahead. Um, Well, part of it is like what we, what we don't do that we used to do that almost every architect does is meet with them and mail them a proposal. And they are not ready to do the whole project. Like, it's just like, okay, they said they want this here. This is to do that. And now we work with them one little step, one little at, a step time. at a time and, and help them more think about and develop and, and question why they want to do it. What is it that they're actually trying to get out of it? It's like, okay, you know, 
I want to add this thousand square foot addition. And it's like, okay, why do you want to add that? What, what do you think? How do you think this is going to change your life? What, what's not working for you with how your house is now? And And sometimes we tell them, well, you just have to get a divorce and everything will be better. (laughs) (laughs) Or a dumpster. I love that. You know, um, and, and there is people that we have talked out of doing projects because what they were describing and what they were describing as their issues weren't, it, it wasn't the solution for it. So either you need to rethink the project, you need to sell and because you're not going to get that house on this location for whatever reason and really um, help guide them in um, what it is that they want as opposed to them just saying, this is what we need, but in a way where they're still feeling heard and not like, oh, here's another one of these architects that's just telling me what I need. And so we don't tell them what we need. We show them what their options are for how they can achieve what their goals are. And and one of the biggest things that our clients just say to us all the time is like, wow, you really listened. Like they feel really heard, which is huge. And I'm sure in your industry, it would be as well, because I can imagine me, if my financial advisor wasn't listening to me, I'd be like, damn, I need a different financial advisor. But but that that is huge. Um, but so part of what like our system does is it breaks, especially at the very beginning, breaks it down into very, very small bite-sized pieces. So they don't have to commit to something before they're ready to commit to it. Like they, they, we do a design consultation and it's like, then they, when they do that, it's like, wow, you actually really have some really good ideas. I never even considered that I might want to do this, or I might look at this instead. And, and then after, then we do a feasibility study and they're like, oh, nobody ever talked to me about doing a feasibility study before. It's like, well, you don't want to spend all this money on an architect, if you don't even know if you're going to be able to build the project, you don't know if it's going to cost you $100,000 or a million dollars. You know, a lot of people have no clue where within that range it's going to be. They just know they want to do it and they don't know if they can do it zoning wise and all of this. So for them to be able to do it just a little tiny piece at a time makes them more ready and certain that what they're looking at doing actually is the best thing for them to do. Yeah. And we, we've talked about this, but for the listeners, um, it's basically micro commitments. It's yes. that I think are really important. One are these micro commitments, so small, small commitments. But the reason that micro commitments work, it's not because we're trying to manipulate them in any way. It's because psychologically, they're not ready for the yes. next step. And, Absolutely. and so often, whether it's you know architects or financial advisors, you're skipping steps and, and they feel pushed when you're not trying to push them or they feel like you're trying to sell them when that's or pitch them when it's not your intention. But when you're at a place beyond where they are psychologically, if you're pitching them a product or you're talking about rolling over 401k when they don't even feel like you you, you get them or you've been listening or, or they don't feel heard, they start to back off, you know, literally and figuratively where they're like backing up in their seat. And so what we've done with you, which is the same process that we've used, I know we talk about this, you guys are in my book, Make More Money, Help More People. I think, what is it? Chapter seven? I think it's chapter seven. I think um, so. We talk about the stages of the sale and you have different names for it, but it's exactly the same. It's basically like, okay, well, first we start with wherever you meet them, we're driving them to the equivalent equivalent of a 10 minute call. And some, right. sometimes I'm doing interviews as, 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 as an exchange of that. 
But during this 10 minute call, it could be 15 minutes, it could be 10 minutes, it could be 20, but we usually try to keep it succinct. It's just trying to figure out, like they're just curious enough to be there. And then we're like, okay, we need to know in order to drive them to the next micro commitment, do they want help? And so the, the only thing we're trying to figure out in that 10 minute call is well, what do they want? What's holding them back? And if we figure that out, there's a gap and then we can drive them to what we call a discovery call. Is that, what do you call it? Is that your, uh, or do you have something a little bit different? That would be basically our in-office meeting. In-office meeting. This is the cool thing, you know, as you're listening to this, you might say, okay, I don't call it a discovery call. I call it an in-office meeting. And maybe you call it just a meeting. Maybe you call it your first meeting. Some, everybody has a different name for it, but that discovery is in, they're indicating coming to that meeting that they want help. They want you to solve a problem or they want something that you got. And then from there, we're driving them to what we call a strategy session. The only way they get to go to the strategy session is if they're indicating they want your help. And so you have a different name for it, but it's like all these stages, there's psychologically something that's happening. And what happens in those different stages is more or less the same. You're just trying to get deeper and deeper and clearer and clearer about what do they want that they don't already have and what's holding them back from getting there. And as you go up these stages of the sale or up the ladder, if you will, you're getting clearer and clearer and closer and closer to figuring out, is this a fit? And yeah. as you move them through those micro commitments, then it's like, okay, they, they're indicating now after they've indicated they're curious, then they indicate they want help. Then they indicate they want your help. Then they indicate they want your help long-term. That's when they sign on the dotted line, that final, like, yeah, let's do the project or in, right. in financial advisor's yeah. case, let's roll over that 401k. Let's do life insurance, you know, manage my money. So it's all the same, but like so many people are skipping those steps or getting derailed. And I know you mentioned this before we started recording, the client tries to derail you and skip a step. And you guys are so good about holding your ground so that they get the best experience. So talk a tiny bit about that. And then we'll tell them how they can find you and and what else they can get. So a lot of times when somebody calls, um, they'll say, well, can't you just come out to my house? And it's like, no, we... uh, we, you know, it's like, all right, we do, this is a no, no um, charge, no strings attached meeting that you come to the office and blah, 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 blah. And because we found if they don't, if they're not willing to invest, like it's there, they're only investing their time. They're not investing their money yet. And very often, if they're not willing to invest their time to do that, then they're not taking it seriously enough and not committed enough to that for, it's like, well, why should I waste my time if uh, you're not willing to spend your time? It's your project. And, and also, and this happens a lot with financial advisors going to their house. I call them drive-bys. Like I used to do so many of those when I first started as a financial advisor where I, I, mean, I was driving, I was living in the Bay Area, driving all over in traffic. I mean, it took, sometimes it take me two hours to get to someone's house and I'd get there, I'd knock on their door. They wouldn't be home. Oh, yes. Like, are you kidding me? Right. And like, where, where's my credibility when I go to someone's house and then if if they're there or if they're not there, like that's showing I'm desperate for business. Right. So showing like my credibility is like the gum at the bottom of their shoe. Like, I absolutely. Before we'll go out there, we have a signed contract and payment for us to go out there. It's and not like, okay, you give me the payment. And when I get there, it's like, no, because then if you flake out and, and aren't home, I just, whatever I got paid. (laughs) I also heard Chris Voss say this since I'm on the Chris Voss bandwagon here, but he said that he, he helped a real estate, um, real estate agent 
lower her appointments by 80%, but she made more money. Mm-hmm. And so much of it was filtering like this, where she had a process and she, she, he, he taught her, you know, to use specific questions and specific uh, system and process to make them commit in certain ways. And, and if they weren't willing to commit, just like you said, Faith, if they don't commit to that, then you're going to spend three months, six months chasing them or, or, or 10 yes. hours chasing them to try to get them to, to be your client. We don't need that. Not only right. does it lower your credibility, but we, we don't have the time for that. Like, let's get the people who are committed and you stick to your process. And like you said, when you stick to your process, it gives them a better experience because then they'll get what they want. If they're not committed, they're never getting what they want. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well, what, give them like one last piece of advice on how to use a succinct process and a proven process to help give the client, the prospect and the client, the best experience. Any, any other story or anything to add around that? I I think one of the things is if somebody calls and they're, they're saying something other than, than where you would expect them to come into your pipeline that you really need to figure out where within your system they are and get them to that point. Uh, you know, and it's like, you might still be pushing them back further into their, like down lower in your pipeline than they think they need to be. But wherever it, wherever you really think they need to be, stick to your guns in get, get them there. And, and very often you will find that they're actually very willing to do that. They are not necessarily educated enough about your system to know that that's what they need. And once you you explain to them why this makes sense, they're like, awesome, perfect. We'll do it that way. Yeah. It's not that they're necessarily thought you were going to get a lot of pushback. And a lot of times you don't. Yeah. Yes. Where they, they, they thought they knew. And once you explain something, they're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. And then after they have the meeting, they're like, oh, thank you so much. You know, we really appreciated that. This was so great. I totally understand why you do this. And, you know, and then they're totally on board to follow the system completely. And and they feel like they're not being pushed. The cool thing is, is if someone tries to buy from you, they're not necessarily buying, but it seems like it. Like, oh, come to my house. I'm ready for this. Like, and they're pushing you in your system. And you're like, no, I'm sorry. You cannot buy from me yet. Like you don't yes. have the privilege. You don't get to buy from me yet. You, ha- We have to see if we're a fit. It immediately shifts the, the relationship where you have more, like I said, credibility and, and where you're not desperate to get them as clients and they don't feel pushed and they're like oh they're not trying to just get me to give them money they really have a system to make sure i get the best experience i I get the best transformation i really get what i want and you're not taking the control from them it's just that you're guiding them with this intention to serve where they feel like you're really taking care of them and tra- instead of trying to just take their money and sell them yes. which is, is why it works so well and and why they then you know want to follow your system not to mention people want to be guided they actually yes just yes <laughs> they do head, right <laughs> they want to be guided and i always tell my clients like you you need to guide them when they start to ask you and interrogate you and ask these questions you need to fire back questions to them because you need to drive the conversation 
because they they don't want to buy the box. I always say stop selling the box. The box is the the architecture work, the drawings or whatever. The box is the financial plan or the box is the money management. Like they don't actually want the box. They want the transformation. They want the transformation. They want what the box is going to give them. Like open up the box. It's like a really nice surprise in there. It's like, it's an amazing result. And when you let them then drive you and just try to buy that thing, then they backpedal. And then they're like, wait, now I start to have this buyer's remorse. I start to feel like maybe I don't want this. It was too easy, you know, and and they don't even, they didn't even listen. They didn't understand. And they don't know that consciously. And I think it's also the, well, you're the professional. Why didn't you tell me? Yeah. And I think that applies both for us and for the financial advisors, you know, where somebody it's like, okay, they come to me and they tell me they want this and this and this, but it's not the best way to do it. It's not going to get them the best end result. You know, the thing's going to be ugly. It's going to be whatever. Um, And, and then when it's all done, they'd be like, well, why didn't you tell me it was going to be ugly? Why didn't you guide me? Why didn't you tell me that this is what I needed to do? You're the professional you should have known. It's like financial advisor saying, hey, like, totally plan of you, you thinking you need a million dollars at 65 ain't going to cover it. <laughs> like you think you're all, oh, everyone has a magic number. I need a million dollars. OK, if you're 50 and you're 75, you all need a million dollars. Something doesn't add up. You know, you, nobody has the same lifestyle. Nobody wants the exact same things. And definitely if you're 50 versus 75, I think you need a little bit of a different strategy. Right. And everybody's like, oh, I need a million dollars or five million dollars, whatever that is. But you got to be real with them and they will respect that you are telling them the truth and saying, hey, you know, based on your goals and based on what you're telling me, that million dollars is going to last you five years. I think, would you like to have more than a five year retirement? They're like, yeah, I say, OK, I think we need a better plan. Exactly. Yeah. OK, Hope, I think you were dying to say something there. Oh, Go ahead. Yeah, I was just thinking that um, a lot of times when people come in and they're asking questions and like kind of trying to guide it. It's just, and they're asking these questions because they don't know what questions they should be asking. And it's just like, these are the questions that they've heard they should ask. And, and it's not, and, and so then that's where we have to guide them into what questions really need to be answered as opposed to these other ones that those, okay, those are important, but they're not important for like another couple months. Like that's not, that's not where you're at right now. That those aren't the important questions yet. But the other thing with that is you have to know how to do it respectfully, not just poo-poo their questions and concerns. And it's like, oh, you don't even need that now. It's like, okay. You know, sometimes it's like, all right, we'll get to that. We'll touch on it, whatever. But what you really need first is this. Yeah. Yes, that's called slide of the mouth. Good job. Yeah. Good job. Right, but, right, but you, you, you know, because we do get people come and say, oh, you know, I talked to these other architects and they were so arrogant and they wouldn't even answer my questions and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, yeah, we will answer them, but but maybe differently than you're asking. Yeah, that's a great question. Acknowledge it. And yes, that's yeah. very important. And this is, and you go fire back another question. Well, what is it that you really want? Because yeah. you can't answer that question if you don't know what they want or, or, or what their concerns are. Okay, amazing. So if anyone's looking for architects, are you just gonna, helping people in Denville, do you guys do anything outside of that area? Who And what's the best way to find you if they want to find you? Um. So we are licensed in New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, and Utah. Um, And uh, probably the best way to find us is to uh, look up our website, which is Uh, (laughs) 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 (laughs
Z-I-M-A-R-C-H.com. So ZimArc for Zimmerman Architects. Okay, zimarc.com. You can check them out. You can book an appointment there. I know because I helped them make the video that's on the, the website. If you just want to see what these two look like and how cute they are together, um, it's adorable. Go to their website anyway, and you can book a book a call uh, with them, and they'll walk you through their process to give you the best experience, best client experience that you could possibly have. And if you know anyone that needs architecture work and in those states, please let them know they're the best um, so amazing. I, we When we decided to come on this podcast, I was like, we can talk about so many things. We could talk about having a positive attitude. We can talk about how, you know, extracting the value. We can talk about investing yourself consistently in your business to grow it. You know, we can talk about, and they're like, oh, systems and processes and having the best client experience, creating the best client experience. We're like, let's go with that. But there's so many things because these two are incredibly positive. They're always extracting the value. They're always, they're coachable. They're putting things into action. They're so appreciative. I mean, just having their energy is just amazing. So, um, so uh, thank you for coming on the podcast. So yes, thank you. you thank you. And I love the perspective of non-financial advisors who are in a community, like for the last five, six years in a community yep. of financial advisors, insurance professionals to, to really bring a different perspective. And thank you all for listening. And we'll hopefully see you at the next, uh, next, next podcast or the next tag challenge. Um, but look at our site, check it out, make sure uh, you get involved so you can be part of this amazing community. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Are you getting all the quality prospects on your calendar that you'd like? If not, join us in the Appointment Generator Challenge. Go to femalefinancialadvisors.com and register for free. We guarantee you'll get five quality appointments in five days if you follow this system and you can do it from online. You don't even have to pick up the phone. Whether you're just starting, whether you've been in the industry three to five years or even 30 years, this challenge will be perfect for you. Check it out, femalefinancialadvisors.com and register for absolutely free. Can't wait to see you there. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.